0: Welcome to The Worst Best Sellers, where we read about longing for the ocean so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read The Forest of Hands and Teeth by Carrie Ryan. Joining us to discuss this undead YA novel is Kelly, high school librarian and connoisseur of dystopian YA fiction.
1: Hi, Kelly. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me.
2: (laughs) Welcome. As as listeners undoubtedly just noticed, Kelly's our first (laughs) British guest. Um, very exciting. We have had a Canadian before, but now I feel like we're truly an international podcast. <laughs> Next up, I want a guest to call in from Antarctica, so if yeah, if yes. you are currently living there, please email us.
1: Yeah. And this is an international worst bestseller, because it's got on, on the front of my edition that it's, it's an international bestseller, Um I, I don't know quite how it became um, stretched all the way over here. <laughs> You know it is it's very popular
2: in our in our bookstores and libraries, it's everywhere yeah so i was surprised um when you suggested this as one to read and when kate was like yeah that one because um the, i don't like to read about zombies or scary things as you might know so <laughs> i had never read that i would not have picked this up by choice but i do try to read a lot of reviews of that kind because of, a lot of kids do like yeah. zombies obviously so i try to at least read reviews and um be knowledgeable of it so this is one that i've recommended to kids when they want zombie stuff
1: I was very strongly not recommended this book
2: by actually
1: a former student of mine. Um, And this is a former student who loves anything zombie apocalypse horror horror style. She loves like The Walking Dead and she introduced me to Myra Grant's new flesh series. Like a load of really good quality, uh, like the zombie apocalyptic fiction and she was just um you know she she it, it didn't even like I wasn't even asking for recommendations she just had it on a kindle and she was like never look at this book it's horrible it's, it's you know she, she'd been recommended it I think probably by not by me not by me um by by someone else because it was in the genre that she loved and she she was just appalled by it
0: yeah yeah I um I read this when it first came out and I was very excited to read it when it came out um Because it's right up my alley. And it was when I was uh, working at the bookstore. And I, I, I think what I wanted from it, and I understand the criticism of the criticism of people being like, there's too many love triangles in YA. Like, I get that YA isn't for us, it's for teens, and that teens like love triangles slightly more than we do in theory. Um, I never liked love triangles as a teen I still don't like them as an adult and the fact that this book was mostly wishy-washy oh my god I love Travis so much I'll do anything for him oh wait actually I love the ocean more (laughs) wait but maybe I still have feelings for Travis and not like the world building of the cult that they lived in and the zombocalypse and all that like we would get little grains of that and that's what I wanted the story to be about. And in retrospect, like, I feel like it's not a terrible book, like, it's not as bad as some of the books that we read for this podcast. (laughs) And I can see why it would be appealing to teenagers, to certain teenagers who are into certain of these genres, who like love triangles and like, you know, kind of like zombie light and not a lot of heavy focus on the actual terror of the zombies. Uh, But for me, I was just like, I don't, I don't like it. I don't, this is not what I wanted. This is not what was advertised to me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I guess, I guess you kind of went into it. Let's do just a quick plot summary before we talk about uh, whether or not it worked. It it didn't. Um, So it is, (laughs) it is uh, in a, you know, vaguely future society where they, they all live in this village. And our narrator is this girl named Mary who um she tells us that she you know none of the boys like her and it's almost time when girls in their village get into their like they get courts-
0: spoken for yeah their
2: courtship like rituals and all that and she's like no one's going to pick me and then I'll have to go be a nun and um Right as she's sort of like, she's actually angsting about this and she leaves her sort of like insane mother alone. And then the mother like wanders off and gets bitten by a zombie. So she feels like that's her fault and doesn't really dwell on it for that long, honestly. But uh, so it starts off, it kind of introduces they live in this world. They're surrounded by the forest of hands and teeth, which is full of zombies. Only they're called the unconsecrated. They never use the word zombie, but they're clearly zombies. Mm yeah that's a big trend in any um zombie books these days it's like and it it
1: kind of annoys me when they won't, when no one will call a zombie a zombie uh, when it obviously okay. is and because uh, um it's just it's it's like you're trying to say this is a more sophisticated than a, a zombie book and if it actually was then it, it would be great but it really isn't <laughs>
0: And a great lampshade hanging on that in the movie Shaun of the Dead Where they constantly say back and forth to each other Don't say the Z word, we can't, know. they're not zombies
1: Can't, can't acknowledge the zombies <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, Anyway, so they, they live in this village surrounded by a fence Surrounded by the unconsecrated zombies on the outside And it's ruled over by this religious group, the Sisterhood And there are these nuns who live in this giant old stone cathedral. um, And everything is ruled by scripture. Um, So while Mary's mother is being bitten by a zombie from wandering too close to the fence, she is spoken for by her best friend. But she's angsting about this because she's actually secretly in love with her best friend's brother, Travis. Um, So... (laughs) But then her mother gets bitten and she runs away from Harry before she acknowledges that he's asking her to, like, the courtship dance. And the people who get bit in their society are allowed to choose to either be released out into the unconsecrated to become one of them or to be immediately killed. And Mary's mother is convinced that her father, who got lost in the forest is still out there so she chooses to go out into the woods so i guess they can be zombies together
2: (laughs) um her father meaning mary's father meaning her mother's husband by the way because they're that's why she keeps going to the fence to look because she's just like real hung up on her zombified husband and is always like looking which you know fair enough but that's all she wants to do is just like look
0: for glimpses of zombie husband
2: and now she gets to be with him forever
0: so um, Mary decides to wait with her mother until she turns from the zombie virus into an unconsecrated. And in doing so, misses like, the whole courtship ritual is unspoken for by
2: Harry. Harry.
0: And has to be temporarily quarantined by the sisters to make sure she wasn't infected. And when she's released... Her brother is like, uh, I kicked you out and essentially sold you to the nuns. Like, no one spoke for you, so you're going to go be a nun now. Sorry. And makes her go live at the cathedral and become a nun.
2: Right. Because she spells out, for girls in this society, there's only three options. Um, You get married or you live with your family or you're a nun. And she doesn't have any family anymore because her parents are zombies and her brother like walks the fence all the time that's like his job so he doesn't count as somebody to live
0: with well no he does but he kicks her out oh well okay he tells her that there's not going to be room for her because his wife's pregnant and they have to focus on the baby and they don't want to stress the wife out because she's already on bed rest because she might lose the baby
2: right but he does he does walk the fence a lot also because that's why he wasn't because that's why he wasn't there and so he also is mad at her because he blames her for letting the mom get bitten. Which, I mean, whatever. The, it seemed like the mom wanted that. Oh, no, I yeah. just victim blamed the mom. <laughs> 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 Whatever she was asking for, she shouldn't have been walking by the fence, wearing that dress, <laughs> oh my God, okay, so she lives at the nuns, and th- this is the thing that killed me about it is it's clear that the society like they don't have any other books, they just have the scripture, and it seems pretty clear that they mean the Bible, but they never call it the Bible. Um, But they do talk about, like, God, and at some point they even talk about Noah, which is funny, because Mary's defining characteristic is that her mom had always told her these stories about, like, the time before zombies, when there was an ocean and it was water as far as you could see, and so she's always wanted to go see the ocean, and she's always telling people about the ocean, and they're like, Mary, you're crazy, there's no such thing as an ocean, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this
1: is this is uh, maybe the funniest part of the book for me because uh, it's like y- you know they live in a world where they've got walking corpses that can, <laughs> speed corpses that can run and kill people. But the, but the existence of an ocean stretches credulity. It's you know how does that come about? I think there's one um, explanation from um, I think it's uh, Cass says at one point. Um, there the can't be an ocean because why would God make so much water, which had salt and you couldn't drink the water. And, you know, again, I, I'm pretty sure it's there in Genesis that God yeah. does, does, does cop to making oceans. Um, so, yeah, I'm at, not sure. At, well, there's
2: that. And then somebody else. And she's like, well, if we got to the ocean, it would be safe. And somebody else was like, well, if there is an ocean, I bet it would be just full of unconsecrated, just like swimming around in there. <laughs> Anyway, so that's her, her two defining characteristics are that she can tell the difference between Travis and Harry, who seem to be identical, <laughs> <laughs> and that she believes in the ocean. Yeah, so, the ocean.
1: The ocean thing is another baffling concept. Is it seems to be. Um, it's very much a trope of post-apocalyptic fiction that there's always some kind of sanctuary, some kind of perfect um, a utopian place that anyone's trying to get to to get away from the horrible wasteland wherever it's set. Um, and like, like in the latest Mad Max film, it's the green place. Everyone's mm-hmm. hoping to go to the green place, and that's logical if you leave live in a like burnt out post-apocalyptic desert that you'd want to go somewhere that's green and you could grow food and there'd be fresh water but i, I can't understand why the ocean seems like what are you going to do when you get to the ocean you know is that going to be cuz it basically seems like if you get if you get to get to the ocean You've got a choice between drowning and eaten by zombies on one side. So I don't know why it's sort of it's like they're all moving towards the ocean, like it's going to be some kind of sanctuary. It's like you can't live there, you know. <laughs> um, you, you you know you could hope to get you know kidnapped by these um, post-apocalyptic pirates they mentioned at one point, but you know it's it's not
2: like they're going towards a safe haven, right? Plus, the ocean is full of sea creatures. Why yeah. would you an- want, like and aqu- and aqua zombies apparently, right? so and you can't I don't know whatever so she wants to go to the ocean but instead she has to live with the nuns and they make it real clear that if she steps out of line they're just going to throw into the forest and they at one point they take her through a secret tunnel just to show her like hey there's this tunnel and it goes straight into the forest and we'll just drop you out here if you act up and like no one will even know what happened to you
0: and she doesn't want that for obvious reasons um and she also like she does not believe in god anymore like she essentially when her mother got bitten she saw a choice between believing in all of her mother's stories of a world outside their village and an ocean and believing in god and shows that she doesn't believe in god uh so while she's living here and doing the grunt work of these nuns travis is brought in in the middle of the night Delirious with fever Because he had fallen and broken his leg And the bone had pierced the skin And it was infected And he was very sick And um, she takes to like Praying over his body for his safe return Every night but instead of praying Because she doesn't believe in God She tells him stories about the ocean And hopes that that will Make him well I guess And then like super falls in love With him while this is happening Even though he has spoken for her other her female best friend cassandra
2: and also even though he's basically unconscious/delirious slash delirious this whole time <laughs> yeah yes. yeah um it's i think I, I think it says on page like it's a 300 word no- novel
1: and i think she's she's declaring her love for travis on page 42 i think i counted and um it mainly that that love is formed by um, pushing her body against Travis and breathing very heavily on him for um, a number of weeks while he's delirious. And yeah. that's that's how the true love comes about.
2: <laughs> right. Well, because before that, she'd expressed of like a preference, like when Harry proposed, or, you know, pre-proposed or whatever, she was kind of like, oh, I, I hope that Travis would. And Harry's like, oh, Travis already spoke for Cassandra, who's her female best friend. And so the main character is for most of the book are Harry and Cassandra and Mary and Travis. And they are, they, none of them are very well developed. Yeah.
0: Um, so she, Travis eventually kind of wakes up and like, looks forward to her coming to quote unquote, pray over him. And mostly they just like talk and cuddle and, and, One night while they're doing that, they hear a noise and it sounds like they're bringing someone else into the cathedral to be healed. So they wonder if someone else in the village hasn't gotten hurt. And because they're in the hallway, Mary has to sneak out the window to get back to her room. And when she does so, she notices that there's footprints coming up to the door of the cathedral, but they're leading there from the gate into the woods, not from one of the houses in the village. And that um, there's like a path that's fenced on either side on the other side of the gate that goes as far as the eye can see. And they were always told that like they can't go there and that, you know, that's the unconsecrated can get in there or something and that there's nothing if you follow it. But she very clearly sees footprints in the snow coming up from there that are quickly being erased by the wind blowing snow in. So she gets very excited because it means an outsider is coming that means that's proof that there's a world beyond their village, which she always thought, and everyone told her she was crazy for thinking so.
2: Yeah,
1: so, so they do you imagine this planet is just endless, endless forest with a few rivers running through it? That's, that's what the planet looks like. Because again, it's not how the world's described in the in the Bible. The scriptures, sorry, the <laughs> scriptures, um, which they read constantly, but it's, it seems to be that they've uh, the, the nuns have got everyone convinced that it's just endless forest of hands and teeth and yes. one village that survived. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Sounds likely.
2: <laughs> so uh, eventually uh, this girl, Gabrielle, who, is, who has come from the outside, gets turned into an unconsecrated, um, and Mary is horrified because she finds these kind of records that the nuns are keeping, and it's real vague. We were talking I'm still not for sure if it's if the nuns like actually experimenting on them or if they're just kind of keeping records of people who they're definitely like pushing people back out into the forest. Yeah, they essentially,
0: yeah, Um, Gabrielle from the outside is able to communicate to Mary that she's here and she's from the outside and she's from another village and that she's not infected. And then she's moved from the room next to Travis's to a secret place. And Travis is moved to and several days later, um, the nuns release Mary and say like, oh, Harry's spoken for you. So you're allowed to go get married now. And your choices are either essentially be thrown into the forest or marry Harry because we don't want you here.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you're not a good nun.
0: Yeah. Um. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Oh, and okay, one of uh, Gabrielle like writes in the window what we recognize as Roman numerals, but which are apparently have not like, survived into the village, so Mary just sort of remembers like a nonsense couple of letters, like x i v or something like that,
0: yeah, um, so Mary is very unhappy to be entering like the week of courtship rituals with Harry that will end in their marriage. And she has, like, a secret meeting with Travis where he tells her that he loves her and that he's going to leave Cassandra and they should run away together. And he's going to come for her any day now, so just wait. And she waits and waits and waits and he never comes. And the night before her wedding, she sneaks through the cathedral to try and find more information about Cassandra. And that's where she finds this book where it's a book of the scripture, but in the margins, there's all this scribbling and the very first pages seem to be a record of how the zombocalypse started. And she flips to the end and the latest pages are about how, what could possibly mean they were doing experiments on outsiders to figure out more about the zombies Or possibly not. It's like Renata said it's very vague. And and
2: to me that's the most interesting thing in this book, but we do we get more than like two sentences about it. No, we do not. Yeah,
0: I absolutely agree.
1: Yeah, from the from the jacket it talks about how the sisterhood know best, the guardians are, will protect them. So if there's even a guardian character in the book, I can't recall one. Um but well, isn't it, that it, where it, her brother is? Isn't he guardian? Yeah. Oh yeah, is a guardian. And what do the guardians do other than guard the fence? Is that is that the because it makes them sound so mysterious and like, that the guardian and sisterhood are up to something and it's all this like um, mysterious cult and um yeah, we don't really get much
2: insight into what they ever did. Well, later, Jed talks a little bit about how, like, he hadn't learned all the Guardian secrets yet, but really the sisterhood was in charge of the Guardians anyway, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't think that the sisters told the Guardians everything that they were up to or whatever. Yeah.
0: So they... She finds that there's, like, this mysteriousness going around, but she has to leave in order to be there for her marriage to Harry in the morning, and... She gets bound to Harry, literally with a rope, and they're not supposed to cut the rope (laughs) unless they're dissolving the marriage until the morning. It's like a
2: really sexy ceremony for this, (laughs) like, cult to make everyone do.
0: Yeah. And in the morning, they get awoken by the zombie siren, and uh, Gabrielle, the outsider who turned into the super fast zombie... Has broken through the fence and the zombies are pouring in and everybody needs to get to the platforms that are raised like 30 feet above the village for safety. But because of the panic people are pulling up the ladders too soon before the platforms are full. So um, Harry cuts their bindings and the two of them grab food and weapons and run towards the gate into the path into the woods and the two of them and Travis and Cassandra and a little boy that they save and eventually Mary's brother Jed and his wife Beth make it onto the other and a side dog. of this, and the dog and a dog <laughs> make it onto the other side of this gate into this path into the woods that's protected by fences and decide that they're going to go and try and find somewhere safer than their village which is overrun by zombies and so
2: one thing we've been talking about how travis and harry are like the same and i really just with most like why i love triangles you can give a quick like description of you know like you've got edward and jacob and you know edward is like your very like fancy one and jacob is like the more kind of like i don't know Sexy, like down to earth one, maybe. I mean, also werewolf and vampire, but like personality traits, like they are different. Or like Pita and Gale, like Peta is like the nice baker one, and Gale is like the more hardcore one who like knows where Like you can see how there's a choice. They are different with Harry and Travis. I don't like the only like Travis has a limp now, <laughs> but other than that, I mean, it's not like Travis is the nice one and Harry's the mean one. They both seem the exact same. Mm. I think like, Travis go- is
1: blonde, I think they said that he's blonde. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, totally
0: different. They have, I guess they have, like, different jobs, because she makes a comment way at the beginning that, like, Travis's hands are calloused, and Harry's hands are soft, mm. and that she had always imagined, like, I don't know, something with Travis's calloused hands, and yeah. but Harry's hands are, like, soft and doughy, and... I, I don't know why, I, maybe the implication is that Travis like worked in the fields and Harry was something else, but it, that's never really fully explained either. Like They're just their brothers, and all four of them, the two of them, and Mary and Cassandra were best friends, they did everything together, and now she has a very strong preference for Travis.
1: Yeah and there's also that she mentions at some point Cass mentions to um to to Mary that she would always be in love with more with Harry um and it's, so it's and but she won't uh, disobey what all the, this whole um what is it they call bonding ceremonies that um the the nuns have set up they, they can't disobey that so they think as soon as they get out in the woods it can be you know i thought it could be some sort of fun um, midsummer night dream with a zombie situation <laughs> where they all swap boyfriends, girlfriends, but no, it's, it's, they don't have any sense of humor about their own love triangle. It's very, very, <laughs> quadrangle, sorry. They don't, um, have any sense of humor about it. They're just very serious and melodramatic about it as if these little bits of rope that they've illogically tied to their wrist is, you know, is a, you know, is bound in contract and they have to just mope around about it.
2: Right. Well, and I think the thing too is that, well, no, I don't know because cast originally tells Mary that like, when Travis was delirious and they thought maybe he would die, she and Harry fell in love because they both cared about Travis. And so they would visit him together. And so they fell in love. But then it seems like Harry still likes Mary more. Yeah.
0: Like she definitely (laughs) says that she and Harry fell in love when they were taking care of Travis. But then when Mary's like, well, that's perfect. We'll break up and you can marry Harry and I'll marry Travis and everything will be great. And, Cassandra's like, well, you're stupid, Mary, because Harry's still in love with you, and I can't break his heart like that. And it's like, you—you you literally just said that he was in love with you too. Like, what? Mm, okay. Right. Right.
2: <laughs> anyway, so they—they they go on. Um, they, Jed's wife it. die gets. Jed has to kill her because she got bit by a zombie and he has to kill her before she turns. This bit really annoyed me because that's a,
1: again, it's a big trope in any kind of zombie story that, um, you know, the fun moment when one of your gang gets bitten by a zombie and you have to, you know, kill them before they turn and kill you. And that's just a fun little dramatic turning point in no- any novel. When this is all going on, when is it Beth, the character, who's her brother's wife? And um, Mary, for some reason, just wanders off and has a walk and comes back to find that they've killed her. And right. like the normal dramatic point where you at least get a little bit of drama out. And you know, if that's, this is the thing about you start to wonder after a while why they, why they even made it a zombie uh, story. Because it seems like every time there's going to be a bit of zombie action, they'll often cut away from it. Again, it might be just because they wanted to keep it all zombie light. But um yeah, it seems like a, a one moment of dramatic tension. And every, when as soon as she comes back, it's like, everyone's over it. It's just we're just digging the grave
2: now. Right, because before that, everyone was mad at her because she was like, bro, you got to kill him or you got to kill her soon. And everyone's like, Mary, you're horrible. How can you say that? <laughs> and then she's like, No, but she's gonna be a zombie or whatever. And they're like, I can't believe you'd say that he's in love with her. And then like, he does it. And then yeah, they just kind of move on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I personally, like I said, I don't like zombies. I don't like gore or anything. So I did appreciate that this novel also doesn't care for zombies. Mm. <laughs> but uh, I could see mm. how, if you picked this up for a zombie book, which it allegedly is, it would be disappointing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> It's also, really, the problem is that it's more that you don't care about the,
1: the, there's no emotional connection there with the character that's just being killed. I mean, I have to say that this is a book where I can honestly say that if they'd killed a the dog, I don't think I would have cared that much. And that's saying something for me, mm. that they, you know, there's, there's no um, emotional, there's no effort to really establish an emotional connection with the characters that are getting offed by zombies.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I would be more upset about the dog than any human character, but still not that much. <laughs>
0: um, um, so they, they have to kill Beth, and they're wandering through this, like, series of um, pathways, fenced-in pathways, that are marked by these mysterious X's and I's and V's that Mary doesn't understand. They're at random. Until she finally connects that, probably the markings that she had seen from Gabrielle are indicating something. So they end up following that pathway, the XIV pathway that Gabrielle had written in the um the fogged window. And they find a village with like more modern-looking houses and like a fancy platform treehouse highway above where the zombies would be and stores and like all these really intricate things that they didn't have in their very simple village filled with one room houses then the it turns out that there are zombies in that village still and they all have to run for cover but because travis had had the broken leg and he walks with a limp now he can't climb up ladders so they the two of them um and the dog mary travis and the dog hide in a regular house on the ground and cass harry jed the little boy that they and the little boy that they saved go up onto the platforms into the tree house um but the house that mary and travis hide in even though it's like super well stocked and it has a ton of food and fresh water spout that water comes out of and like all these stores of clothes and supplies and weapons. Uh, a tree has fallen and knocked over its connection to the other tree houses so they can't they can get up onto the balcony on the roof but they can't get over to the tree house section that everybody else is in so they're kind of trapped away from each other
2: right and um i had two questions like why don't they just live in tree houses all the time if this is like their backup plan like why not just live in a tree house all the time versus having two sets of houses like your emergency houses and your regular houses and then and this is a thing that i noticed when they first got up there is she just had explained, like, oh, this is gruel. Gruel. This is gruel. Um, all, by- all our houses are connected by bridges. Like, why didn't we do that with our platform? So cool. Um, but it's too bad we can't see Harry uh, Harry and Cass. Oh, well. I was like, but you just <laughs> said that they were all connected. And then it isn't until later that she's like, oh, yeah, and this one's broken. Uh, and then, but it isn't until much later that they even, like, bother trying to fix it. They're just like, well, I guess we're stuck here, like, in isolation, whatever. And, I mean, it it is kind of like she's got her own little desert island scenario with Travis, and so I think she's just like, it doesn't matter that they're zombies, and, like, eventually we're going to have to deal with this for now. I'm just going to enjoy being trapped um, with my boyfriend in this treehouse.
0: <laughs> and it's, like, it's weird, too, because... It's one of those things where the narrative tells you one thing, but the actions are telling you something else, and I can't tell if it's supposed to be on purpose, because Mary keeps saying, like, they're so happy, and they have these long, comfortable silences where they don't even have to talk. They just understand each other. But at the same time, she's very clearly going stir-crazy and being badly affected by not having communication with anyone like she hides in the attic away from Travis because he can't climb up the ladder and like goes through the belongings of the people who lived there before and freaks out when she realizes that the clothes that she's wearing might have been owned by one of the people who's now a zombie in the village below. She like sees the um, scrapbook of the people who live there and finds a postcard of New York and a picture of the ocean. And, like, loses her mind over that. But at the (laughs) same time, the narrative's telling us, like, oh, like, we're so happy together in our perfect, idyllic little home that we have together. And I can see across the way in the treehouse that Harry and Cass are happy in their little idyllic home, too, with the little boy that they saved, who they treat like their child. But, like, nothing nothing about what Mary's actually doing shows that she's happy there.
2: Um, Also, while she's going through their stuff, she finds a book of Shakespeare sonnets that are numbered with Roman numerals. So she teaches herself Roman numerals, which comes back later, but not as much as you'd think it would, given how much they've built up the Roman numeral
0: thing. So the zombies eventually get in. They have to leave the house. She rigs up like a sheet pulley thing to get Travis up into the attic and then, because they figured out that they could communicate by tying letters to arrows and oh my shooting God, this them, is so dumb. To <laughs> each other's houses. They figure like, oh, we can do that with ropes, and then have a rope to climb across. And so they do that, and then they're all together, and everything's great until it's implied the little boy that they rescued accidentally sets their treehouse on fire. Yes. But it's also like never clear what happened. There's just a fire and the little boy's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. But it's never really explained how the entire village very quickly catches on fire. It's zombie-proof, not fireproof. <laughs> um, but, okay,
2: the other thing that's so dumb about the letters is they talk about how these kids have been trained since they were childhood how to use crossbows. Like, everyone's grown up knowing how to use weapons because of zombies. They cannot get these letters across. Like, they use all of their arrows. Um, they're out of arrows now. Because they've wasted them all with these like failed messages and they kind of like, they watch each other and they laugh as the arrows go astray and they accidentally kill a zombie down below, they accidentally kill like whatever, they're just like wasting these arrows and it's like, okay, now you're stuck in a tree surrounded by zombies without any arrows, <laughs> you idiots. <laughs> <laughs> and they never even, they never observe like, oops, I guess we are out of arrows, they're just like, oh, well now we can't send any more letters. But also you're out of arrows. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I know that I am not cut out to live in like a post-apocalyptic society. Like, I could never make it in Hunger Games, any of this. But I feel like I am better prepared than all of these idiots. (laughs) Like I would save my arrows. I know that much.
0: Yeah, Yeah, like there's a part where Mary, she writes instead of writing a letter to Harry and them, she writes, like, a 25-page screed about all of her issues with all of her friends and all of her drama from living in the village and all this stuff. And then, it's like, a burn purposely book. She waste... writes a
2: burn book.
0: Yeah. And then, like, <laughs> purposely wastes 20 arrows because instead of sending them to Harry, she just shoots them into the zombies below. Like,
2: Which, that... I mean, it does seem sort of cathartic, but also... Just burn them. Just burn them, you <laughs> dummy. <laughs> or just crinkle them up and throw them to the zombies. What are you doing with the arrows? Yes. <laughs>
0: so they they uh, escape the the burning village. But in order to do so, Travis gets sacrificed to the zombies. Mary's pretty broken up about it. Which is surprising, considering that over the course of the book, it's never really clear why she loves him in the first place. And several times he tells her, you love the ocean more than me. And she seems to agree. But she's very sad.
1: Yeah, Travis's death seems to be telegraphed, like... Pretty consistently through the whole book i mean at a point where her brother's um getting all like sort of raging about killing his wife it's like how would you feel if you had to kill someone you loved and um it's like you don't really love anyone do you um so yeah it's sort of um building up to that point well, it's saying that she couldn't really um approve of him killing her uh killing his wife if uh, she would ever do the same thing which she does in the end because you know who needs a, a man when you've got the ocean Right, so. <laughs> <laughs> the the potential ocean that just might
2: exist. Well, now um, she knows they, it does because now mm. she has a photo, <laughs> and she doesn't
0: know about Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're like back on the path, and there's kind of a break because Harry and Cassandra are like, we want to go back to the village. Maybe the zombies left by now, like their original village. Mm -hmm. and you know maybe there are survivors maybe all the zombies left like you don't know and mary's like i'm going to the motherfucking ocean and (laughs) they're like well then see you later so her brother jed goes with her and they go through the woods until they reach a part where the fence is gone and they're like attacked by zombies this last part moves very quickly Like, there's no more fence, and there are zombies coming, and they're running, and, like, they get washed into a river, and they're trying to escape, and, you know, she loses track of Jed, and she's running from the zombies, and they're gonna get her, and she's knocked unconscious, and the next thing she knows, she's waking up on a beach.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And there's a guy there who is like, oh, I thought you were a mudo which is what they call zombies in the beach and he's like yeah it's like literally my job every once in a while dead zombies wash up after storms and i behead them for the beach town that i live in and she's reached the ocean and there's people there and they're not in a weird religious cult they're just normal people and the end
2: yeah very very anticlimactic yeah and there's and there's very um fortunate that there
1: is someone who lives there in a lighthouse because if 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 like her um if mary's crazy mum would come back saying stories of there's a lighthouse by um the ocean you'd think that would make sense to want to go to because that's you know a pretty good stronghold against um a zombie apocalypse It's be better than a tree house so right. if he, if the whole thing that they were journeying towards mary was saying oh there's this lighthouse you know this could be the perfect sanctuary for us and you find out. That there's like a, a lovely, you know, a non, you know, a, a community that's not run by these nurse ratchet nuns um, that they, you know, that is a is a nice community. That would be something to go towards because you think that's something that you know could uh, be one a better way of life and to something that you can survive on. But she, as far as she knows, she's just going to the ocean as if as if it's like what what are you going to do when you get there? Right. Well, how is that going to um, you know save your video? Yeah, and at one point. Um, she and this is this is how, how kind of um you know diabolical uh, her obsession with the ocean is she uh, at the point where she breaks away from the fence she literally just runs out the fence she doesn't say goodbye to any of her friends she doesn't even she leaves a brother there as well A brother saying don't go and she just runs out um so it's you know not only is she th- thinking the you know, it's like she's got this um blind obsession towards the ocean it's not uh, ever implied on how that's gonna help going to the ocean um other than it's it's her dream um but also that you know she's that obsessed that she wouldn't even say uh, goodbye to any of her friends when she she runs off to go there,
2: right? And and I get, I get that it's partly just like symbolic, like she's been oppressed by this forest and mm. by these nuns, and the ocean is like wide open and it's like a new start. But also literally, it's stupid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, at the end of the day, I wanted a book about like. Wh- all about the inner workings of the sisterhood. Like, were they experimenting on people? For how long? Mm -hmm. Like, how did their power come about? What started the Zombocalypse? What started these people to form this cult? What's going on in all of these secret rooms? Like, uh, that's what I wanted to know more about. And that gets completely, like, once they leave the village, it's like, whoop, that's it. Done. real.
1: there's a real, like, implausible lack of black backstory here, and it's just, it's just hand-waved as like, well, we had all these records, but we've not got them anymore, and no one remembers anything. Like, you know, they've just been sitting in this village all day, and generations from before haven't passed down any information to the later generations. Or if they can, it's all secret, and we'll never know the secrets, and because no one tells secrets for no apparent reason. There's not even a, a reason given for the secretiveness. Um, it's just uh, this, it, everyone just accepts it that if there is any knowledge only the sisterhood knows it and they're not telling anyone and everyone just seems to go along with that um and it really just seems like an excuse for um the writer carrie ryan just never to offer any kind of backstory or any kind of um apocalypse explanation it reminds me that in, the, in a sense it reminds me of the um in the, like the start of the maze runner for example at least they've got this conceit that everyone had their memories wiped. Right? it's a very it's a very you know it's a very cheap easy device to say we don't have to give you any memory tell you anything about the place we're living in this like strange and enclosed society with its own rules uh, because we all had a memory wiped because this is all we know um and everyone in this book acts like that like they've, they've yeah. <laughs> as if they've they've had the memory wiped and they've just accepted the way it is because they've never known anything else but surely the you know the, the, even you know even if uh things like books were lost and everything like that people at least have like a verbal storytelling you know to to
2: uh, pass information on right or if it were something like like the matched books where it's like Oh, you know what? Things were too complicated before. That's why people fought so much, because there was too much information. So we've consciously simplified everything. And, like, it's just better for us as a society if we have only 100 books and, like, don't ask questions, because that's how wars come from. Like, hmm. you know, you could see how that would fall apart. But at least it's something. Like, this doesn't give really any ex... I don't know. I mean, I guess it's sort of implied that, like, everyone's too busy finding off zombies to worry about it. But they're not really...
0: Yeah, like, I, there's got to be something else going on there. Because, like, obviously, the, the fences and everything led to a path of connected villages. I mean, this is never actually said in the book, but you can infer that, you know, there was this path of connected villages, and they were connected to the mainland. And even if this one was like, well, we're a religious cult now, we don't care about outsiders, like, you would think that the other villages, like, the other groups would care, you know? Like, I, I can understand, because the uh, the guy on the beach says, like, oh, yeah, there used to be a path of fences that led into the woods, but we took them down eventually because they were rotting, and we didn't know why we were keeping them up, because no one could live in the woods. Um, but there, there was obviously a village there of normal people that weren't cult-like. Like, how did that happen? Why did they... Get cut off from from the the ocean place. Like what what is is happening?
2: No one cares. Travis is cute. <laughs> is he though? <laughs> is he? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah. So obviously we have a lot of questions that are not answered, and it. I haven't read the next two books, but based on the summaries
0: of them, and I think Kate said she read the second one. It sounds like they are not ever answered. Yeah, the next two books jump into the future, and they're about Mary's kids and Cass and Harry's kids, and they don't, at, at least in the second one, like, there's no, none of these questions are answered, there's all new questions that they go into instead, and the world building was slightly better there, but I still want to know about the sisterhood and the zombie experiments and all of that. Right. Right.
2: But we'll never know, so let's move on to the dramatic readings and talk about what little we do know. Sounds good. Okay, so um, our first dramatic reading is going to be Kate sharing the description of their weird, kinky
0: ceremonies. So this is, um, er, I guess not even that early in the book. It's more than a quarter of the way into the book when she has decided that she's going to pity Mary Harry after all so that she doesn't have to be a nun and it kind of goes into some of like the weird things in their village one of the things that I thought was weird is that the sisterhood these nuns rule the village so you would think it would be a matriarchal society but it's not like the dudes outside of the sisterhood are still the ones who are in charge and that just seemed strange to me. But anyway, um, here's some weird religious ceremonies. Spring in the village means rain, baptisms, and marriages. It means Eden Mass, the celebration of having lived another year of triumph over the unconsecrated and prayers for the years to come. The centerpiece of Eden Mass is the marriages. Marriage in our village is a sacred bond, and the three ceremonies that cement husband and wife together are called breath law. A week long event beginning with the troth, leading to the binding and ending with ev- the vows of eternal constancy. It is a culmination of the winter courtships that began with the harvest celebration. The most important and sacred ritual of breath law is the vows of eternal constancy, which forever unites the couple together as husband and wife. The night before the vows is the binding ceremony in which the sisters tie the bride's right hand to the groom's left hand and the couple spends the night in their new dwelling. They are left alone together and given a ceremonial blade they can use to cut their binding. It is an opportunity to air any grievances between them and their last chance to reject each other as spouse. The days of Eden Mass between the breath loss ceremonies are a time to christen the children born of marriages from the year before, and to celebrate the conception of those yet to come. It is the village's most solemn and joyous time, honoring our survival, our existence the continuation of our people since the return it is a commitment to perseverance and dedication yeah um it's and it's strange too because she says many times that marriage is a duty that it's not something that's frequently done out of love that it's something that everybody does because they need to keep the population going especially because there was a big fire that killed a lot of people not too long ago But then, like, at the same time, all of these marriage ceremonies sound very, like, I don't know, like, it's not necessarily on the same page as the marriages have nothing to do with love kind of idea.
2: Right. Like, if it's not, if it's just out of duty, why do you have that, like, 24-hour escape period clause? Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. I think we're already thinking about this more. Than the book <laughs> has. So we'll move on to our next dramatic reading, which is a description of um, after Gabrielle comes back as a fast zombie, Sister Tabitha has to give like a speech to the townspeople explaining it. And I'll be the voice of Sister Tabitha and Kate will be Mary, who is the book's narrator. Knowledge of the fast unconsecrated has passed down through the sisterhood since the
0: return, she says, standing straight with her arms at her sides, the long black tunic whipping around her ankles in the afternoon wind. The fast
2: ones are fierce and rare and devastating. They have always existed, and
0: God has blessed this
2: village not to be bothered
0: by them. She sneaks a glance at me as she says this, as if I am somehow to blame for the presence of Gabrielle. We do not know
2: what causes them to be different, what causes them to be fast. But we do know that they burn themselves out quickly, ripping their bodies apart, and that soon everything will return to normal. The Guardians have doubled their patrols and have pulled men from the fields to assist with the village watches. This threat will end soon, either by the Guardians killing the fast one or by the fast one burning out. Until such time, our only option is to continue our prayers to God and ask for his forgiveness and blessing.
0: Sister Tabitha leads us all in prayer and steps from the dais to allow the Eden Mass and breath loss celebrations to continue. But I can see on everyone's faces that they are unsure and afraid of this new breed of unconsecrated. The dancing becomes listless. The celebrations end early. People shutter their houses at night, preparing for the worst. I can't help but wonder what other information they are keeping from us. What secrets the sisters have locked in their cathedral. What they know about the creature that was Gabrielle, once a girl like me. Unknown. Still unknown. (laughs) (laughs) No no idea. (laughs) She literally has the book of their secrets in her hands. And it's like, well, they'll probably notice if I take this, so I'm not going to read anymore. I'm just going to leave it here and leave. Oh, gosh. All right, we have one more dramatic reading, and that is after the group has escaped from the village, and Mary is wondering whether Travis and Cass's marriage was essentially ruined because of the zombies or ruined because they don't really love each other
2: i tug at the knots of the binding rope on my wrist twisting them fraying the ends trying to loosen them but they hold tight i want to know why travis and Cass don't still wear their binding ropes if they ever wore them it is the rule of breath law that once the bride and groom are bound with the rope they are not to undo the bindings until after the final vow ceremony is complete "'until they are bound in the eyes of God, "'bound spiritually so the physical bonds are no longer necessary. "'I know it's reasonable to believe that, like (laughs) Harry and me, Cass and Travis cut the rope "'so that they could escape from the breach more easily. "'But the thought, the mere idea "'that they may never have been bound, eats away at me. "'That they may have refused the ceremony with Sister Tabitha, "'or that one of them may have cut the rope during the night, "'simmers in my veins.' I pull my knees up to my chest and place my forehead against the wet fabric of my skirt, squeezing my eyes shut. It feels as if my heart is about to explode as I wonder if Travis and Cass were ever bound, as I wonder if I have ruined any chance for Travis and me to be together because I didn't wait for him until the end. Because I chose to bind myself to Harry. Because I gave up on Travis. On love. <laughs> Did she? <laughs> I, I mean, I, and I get that you know you continue to have like human emotions even in the face of like conflict, and especially if you're a teenage girl, like maybe you're still gonna have your crush in the background. But like, you're running away from zombies. Like, of course they would have <laughs> cut the rope that was tying them together. Like, I think they missed. I think they missed a real opportunity by not having
1: Travis uh, married to Travis just to see if she would insist have a big debate in the middle of zombies attacking about whether they should be severing the knots tied together where they tried to do like a bit of a three-legged race away from the zombies Um, rather than they give up on love you
2: know,
1: on the binding again
2: there were so many opportunities for this story to be a little bit better than it was (laughs) right but this is what we got (laughs) all right Let's move on to would you rather would you rather
0: die or become unconsecrated? Um, I'd rather die like straight up, you know, if you could become unconsecrated, even if you're not a fast one and you last a little bit longer than Gabrielle did, like you're still a zombie with no free will, who's pretty gross looking and eating other humans and eating other zombies and like pretty screwed up and uh that seems pretty terrible so just kill me
1: yeah honestly I think um if the choice was do you want to live in the in the nun cult or become unconcentrated it would be a tough call <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, I, I would I, could I be a fast one if I could be a fast one I think it'd be quite fun to join the
2: <laughs> well I mean I guess you'd have to ask the sisters because I still don't know if they made the fast one just like to scare them or if it did just like happen and they don't know and we'll never know. <laughs> um I I would die. I think this is one of the reasons why I don't like to read like post apocalyptic or like any kind of that, because I just read about all of the shit they're doing and I'm like, oh, I would just rather die than deal with any of those. <laughs> and like I, I mean I, I don't wanna brag, but I'm not normally suicidal. But whenever I read any of these books, I'm just like, nope no but i want to die or like <laughs> like i read the martian and i was he was like doing all these calculations about like how he was going to like survive and like i was just like no i would i would just die on mars i don't want to deal with that i would just die on mars and so no no question i would just die if i were if i were any character in the world of this book please just kill me even if i haven't been bitten <laughs> All right, here's a real tough question for you guys. Would you rather marry Harry or marry Travis?
0: (laughs) Considering they're both, like, completely bland and featureless, I would rather marry Harry because he can climb ladders. (laughs) 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 Um,
1: This is, like, a choice for me between, like, you know... Uh, who are the uh, Conservative Party leader and Labour Party leader? Would I like to vote for in my election? It's like both uh, equally uh, um, uninspiring and not much to differentiate the two. Um, so it's you know uh, you know I'd, pr- I'd probably be uh, again going on to w- w- I don't know uh, yeah again um, Harry is not called Travis. I mean, I think you were discussing Renata how how Travis seems like the st- strangest name to have survived. <laughs> Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. Because everyone else, kind of, well, almost everyone else, has these kind of like biblical names that make yeah. sense. But then Travis. Travis. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't take Travis
1: seriously, so I'd have to marry her
2: <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think I think I would marry Travis because of the limp. Because I also have a little bit of a limp from my adamantium ankle. So I think then we would just be kind of like a match set, and I'll go with that. Um, Okay, last up, would you rather join the Sisterhood or find a partner via ChristianMingle.com?
0: This one's really tough because as much as I love to support our wonderful sponsor, ChristianMingle.com, and how great they are to us in their (laughs) continued sponsorship of this podcast, I really want to know all the secrets of the Sisterhood, like super bad. So I'm I might have to betray our beloved sponsor and join the sisterhood.
2: Okay, see, I'm gonna go with ChristianMingle.com, but I'm gonna put in my profile like like uh, my interests include like I'm looking for a locksmith or um, thief or. Um, I don't know, something like that. And I would I would advertise in such a way that I would find a partner who has both strong Christian values but also the necessary skills to break into the sisterhood's cathedral so that we could find <laughs> out the secrets. Yeah. I basically I would get a Christian Mingo profile and advertise for Gambit. And then <laughs> then we would get married and break into the sisterhood. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I would also have a, maybe a combination of the two, but definitely to become a, a spy from within the sisterhood and actually find out what this book was ever supposed to be about. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Well, after we finish recording this, let's get on our, our plans to find that out. <laughs> um, for now, let's move on to Reader's Advisory and suggest some things that you might read instead of or in addition to this book, The Forest of Hands and Teeth.
0: I have a whole lot, so I'm only going to say a few, and then we'll have the rest up on the website because I could probably do this all day. (laughs) Um, My number one suggestion is to read I Am Legend, uh, which is collected with various other short stories of Richard Matheson's. It's been made into a movie several times. It's slightly more vampire-y than zombie-y, but it's kind of a mixture of the two, and it's about a guy who is the last uninfected. He thinks he's the last uninfected human uh in a world of like vampiric zombies and how he gets on um and it's pretty great. And the two two of the three movies that are based on it I've seen and they're also very great. Um I Am Legend uh starring Will Smith and The Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price. Bookwise I would recommend The Strain, which is also sort of more vampire-esque than zombie-esque, but is also done in sort of like a virus way. And World War Z, the definitive zombie book uh, by Max Brooks. And then my four favorite zombie movies are Pontipal, 28 Days Later, Night of the Living Dead, and Shaun of the Dead. And those are all excellent if you, and I think almost all of them are streaming on Netflix. So check that out.
2: All right, Kelly, I know this is your um, area of expertise as well. So what have you got for us?
1: Yeah, I've got... The the first one I'd recommend is actually not a zombie book but it's a post-apocalyptic book um, called Ridley Walker by Russell Hoban this is a great book if you've never read it but it's um, set um, like you know in a sort of similar society like a fenced off little community that's um, gone back to a sort of Iron Age way of living because because like there was a a nuclear holocaust they're doing with um, this book rather than zombie apocalypse Um, but it's written in this amazing uh, dialect of um, when obviously they lost a lot of books and it's at a point where um knowledge is and stories are handed down just by word of mouth so it's this very tribal community but there are actual it's it's it frustrated me in this book that um, they were constantly talking about Mary and her mum's crazy stories um and we I don't think we ever heard a story like nothing that was structured like a story i think there's one point where um she's asked to tell tell us about the ocean mary and she says it in three words she says she says nothing but water <laughs> and that that's that's the extent of, there are no stories you can tell about the ocean it's expansive water that's not a story um, but there's actually some great um, there's uh, some great storytelling. Again, it's um, all religious parables and things that have been handed down. Um, and there's this character called Rid- Ridley Walker who becomes this travelling uh, puppet show um, uh, worker that you know goes around telling the stories and uh, eventually finds out the stories that they're telling are all propaganda. Um, so again, if you want something where there's um, the stories and things are being told and then you realise uh, they they found out the actual truth about the the lost world um, at the end of them, Ridley Walker does that in a brilliant way. I'd also recommend a book called The Girl With All the Gifts uh, by M.R. Carey. Um, and that is a book that has a very similar structure to this. It starts off as in, in this sort of enclosed, fenced, um, safe community that's surrounded by a zombie wilderness. And then eventually the story breaks out into the zombie wilderness and it's a bit more of an action storyline. And it's like a proper zombie wilderness. They don't spend the whole time behind a fence, um, safe from the zombie. So there's actually, you know, no real danger. They Once they're out in the wilderness, is, uh a proper thing but then again again there's a lot more explanation for how the zombie virus is came about and um, a lot more uh, you know stuff about about what did you call it MK um, with zombie zombie apocalypse zombiepocalypse Zombocalypse, um, yeah, that's a great word. Yeah, so there's a lot more explanation behind um, that. I'd also really recommend um, the book that was recommended to me by the same student who hated this book, uh, which is uh, the Newsflesh trilogy. Uh, I think it starts with a book called Oh, what's the first book? I think, it's I think Feed. It, Feed. Feed, yeah, Feed. It's about um, these bloggers um, who are who, who become. Uh, who who are going around the, they become the alternative news source um, after a zombie apocalypse and that again has a lot more um, information about how the zombocalypse came about um, it's about an engineered um, cure for cancer and the common cold that Forms together to um, uh, cause this virus, cause, uh, called called Amberley and it's um, that it slowly turns everyone into zombies. Um, but that's again, it's it's um, it's a lot more exciting. And but all of these are uh, um, these two zombie books. Are you know if you're a zombie fan and you you want the the zombie horror aspect, they are a lot more gritty as well.
2: Um, I, I read The Girl with All the Gifts um, partly based on your recommendation, Kelly, earlier, and it, it is really good. It's really scary if um, you are easily scared, like me. Um, but I I did like it despite wanting to die from it (laughs) Um, I'm going to toss out a few recommendations that don't have zombies in them because that's how I roll Um, but if you're looking for this kind of like uh, limited information society and people doing maybe more work at trying to figure out why the mysterious leaders of their society aren't telling them shit, I would recommend um, Matched by Ali Kondi, which is uh, the first of a YA trilogy that um, that I really liked. I thought it did have something a little different from a, a lot of these other um, kinds of post-apocalyptic scenarios. I really like the way that it dealt with Um, literature and censorship and all that. And, you know, there is also a love triangle with actually um, two boys who are different from each other. (laughs) So that's cool, too. And then um, I'd also recommend The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood, just in case you haven't read that yet. Obviously, it's a classic for a reason. Check it out. All right. So we'll have these and some more up on our website, uh, worstbestsellers.com. Check them out if you would like to read some more about zombies or not zombies. And now we'll move on to our candy pairing, uh, where we'll suggest a candy to accompany this work of literature.
0: I went with Twizzlers because I think that they're super gross and I don't like them, but I understand their popularity and I have been known to uh, indulge in them on occasion out of nostalgia.
1: Well, I'd have sweets rather than candy, but I would have um, <laughs> uh, a stick of Blackpool rock. I don't know if you know what rock is. It's something we have at the English seaside. It's like a candy cane. It's just very hard sugar and syrup uh, that tastes like it has a sickly mint flavor and it really hurts your teeth when you eat it. And I picked it because um, the, both the Rock and the
2: English Seaside uh, are just very disappointing when you get there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so is Blackpool the flavor of it, or like the brand of it, or what is that?
1: It's Blackpool. It, you get you mainly get um, Rock from uh, the the English Seaside, the the tourist spots like Blackpool Pleasure Beach. Blackpool Pleasure Beach kind of looks like you'd imagine a beach looking after a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> it's, it's very it's very grey and sometimes has you know bodies floating in the water. No, no, it's 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 fun it's, it's it's more of a um it's more of a uh a, a, an area where they have just like lots of arcades and gambling it's okay. it's the english vegas only much much more <laughs> much disappointing
2: <laughs> okay good to know see this is why we need more international guests We're learning <laughs> <laughs> um okay so for mine i've chosen hall's cough drops because um I was I lived in the Dominican Republic for a couple of years, and that was one of the things that took me a while to realize is that people there like Hall's cough drops as candy. Like that is many people's like favorite candy. Um, and at first, I just was like, oh, everyone must just have a cough all the time. But actually, like, no, we genuinely like the taste of these cough drops. And that's, like, how I feel about this is, like, I guess somebody likes this. Like, this has starred reviews from, like, Publishers Weekly. Like, somebody has chosen this as their favorite candy. But to me, it is definitely a cough drop. <laughs> 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 And now we'll move on to our favorite game, The Rock Paper Snicked, where um, Kate will say who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book. I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And uh, Kelly will choose which of these would make the book better or the most better, or um, choose paper, which would be to leave the book as is.
0: If Dwayne the Rock Johnson was in this book, he would be one of the leaders of Gabriel's Village. When it becomes clear that the zombies are going to overpower the village, probably through no fault of the rocks, because let's face it, if the rock were in charge, there would be no Zambaclopes in the first place. Um, It's him and not Gabrielle who runs out into the woods because he made sure that all the children were safe before the zombies could get them because he's just a good guy like that. Mm Uh, When he finds Mary and Company's village, he warns the sisters, but he refuses to be held captive by them and lectures them harshly on using their power to rule by fear. He finds out about the experiments they've been doing on people and reveals them to the village. Then he offers to lead anyone who wants out back to retake his own village mary obviously goes with him and eventually after they save the rocks village she goes on an additional quest through the forest and gets to the ocean just like she always wanted without two boring dudes to make her feel conflicted
2: (laughs) all right well if wolverine were in this book um i think he would live by himself in the forest of hands and teeth uh, as kind of just a weird hermit uh his mutant power would make him immune to zombies uh, or unconsecrated and he doesn't really like people anyway so he is basically doing fine but uh, when Judd and Mary break off from their group and um, go through the forest toward the ocean, they run into him and he gives them a stern lecture about how it's dangerous for people without mutant powers to be in the forest. And she tells him all about the ocean. And because Wolverine has a soft spot for kind of naive teenage girls, he um, he goes with them and he escorts them to the beach and he um, he saves Judd. And so they all make it to the beach safely where he once again scolds them for being idiots, and then I feel like he probably would join up with the ocean pirates, who seem like much more interesting characters than Mary and Jed, even though, like, literally all you know about them is that they are pirates. And um, <laughs> from that point on, I think the narrative would follow Wolverine and the pirates, and we wouldn't hear anything else about Mary and Jed. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I have to say that any any part of this story that um, had had more of the ocean pirates. So, it's just you think like it mentioned once? But they're suddenly like, oh, that would. Can we make the story about them? Yeah, it would be. It'd be great to have that. But it, also, it would be great if they could have just ditched um, Harry and Travis from the start and have a, a love triangle between. Wolverine and the rock yes. and, uh, yeah. <laughs> I may, maybe maybe don't even include Mary you know that's just the the uh, Wolverine um coming in le- leading the rock out into the into the heart first of hands and teeth and so maybe being a bigger protector of the rock if he's if he's immune and, right. and then join Joan Ferret
2: yeah a combination of the two I think I mean, I love the answer. It's not actually allowed, but I love it. <laughs> I mean,
0: that's the answer we all want in our hearts. The whole thing picking one or the <laughs> other, unfortunately. Okay, I'll,
1: I'll have to vote um, post-apocalyptic pirates then.
2: Yay! Sorry.
0: <laughs> but we, we mean, can imagine we after it. this,
2: he probably <laughs> eventually would
0: encounter the rock because it's destined. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we could, we would rewrite every book that we read about Wolverine and the Rock's epic love for each other. It would make all the books 10,000% better.
2: I mean, yeah. But then it's not even a contest. It's just like, obviously. Obviously putting them both in it would make it better. <laughs> all right. Which is, which is truly the moral of every story is that putting Wolverine and the Rock in it would make them better. But let's, let's share the other morals we've come up with.
1: Um, I'll say that if the moral of the story is, if you want to survive a walk through a zombie forest, you better put your friends and family second to your irrational, irrational infatuation with oceans. Yeah, I mean, it did work out yeah. for her. It did.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the way to survive. Friends, family, forget it. Get to the ocean. Uh, my moral of the story is just simply don't trust nuns.
0: Also legit. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> And my moral of the story is if you're living in the zombocalypse, probably stick to science rather than cult like religion as your touchstone. And
2: uh, now is the time when we turn to my cat, Duarte, for his opinions on the story. (coughs) All right. Thank you, Duarte. Um, you know, I think you're right. I don't know why the act like the dog was so heroic. Um, wh- where were all the cats in this book? I don't know. Yeah,
0: I totally agree that she probably should have been given a cat instead of a dog as a protector. Um, you know, it would have made the story more interesting. And I bet the cat would have been more of a team player than the dog. <laughs> all right. Do
2: any humans have any closing thoughts about this book?
0: Um, If you like... Zombocalypse's and Love Triangles. There are worse books you could read. If you want, like, a real, like, zombie light, if you're into zombie light and love triangles, go for it. If you want to read an actual book about a zombocalypse, maybe check out one of our recommendations instead.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I, um, I, when I was a teenager, like, um, I was really big fan of the uh, dystopian uh, apocalyptic uh, storylines. Even though, at the, when I was a teenager, it wasn't really much of a genre. It was like there was there was Ridley Walker and a few dystopian ones like Clockwork Orange, and there was the Mad Max film trilogy. There wasn't that much as uh, you know. Now it's like a proper um, genre for teenagers, and I would have loved it when I was a teenager. But I also think I would have been deeply disappointed to find that uh, you know there's a, there's a lot of trash in there as well. <laughs> um this one just didn't it didn't feel like it really wanted to be a a, a, um, a zombie apocalypse, but then it doesn't even feel like it really wants to uh be a, a love triangle story either because it doesn't really invest very much in either of them.
2: Yeah. Mm. I will say I will honestly probably like continue to recommend this to um probably specifically younger kids or people who want not very gory horror stories um but if somebody is like i love the walking dead what should i read i'm probably not going to be like this
0: if somebody's like i love the walking dead what should i read tell them to read 30 days of night
2: okay i think that actually i think we have that in adults that might not officially be on my list but so is so is walking dead so whatever (laughs) um all right well thank you to kelly so much for joining us thank you thank you for having me Um, You can follow us as a podcast on Twitter at worst bestseller with no S. You can like us on Facebook as the worst bestsellers.
0: You can get both of those links from worstbestsellers.com. Where we also have all of our readers advisory and some other fun stuff that you might like. Uh, You can review us like find us on Stitcher and iTunes and please review us in both of those places so we don't have to send a fast one after you.
2: No. Uh, you can follow me personally on twitter at Renata Snacks
0: you can follow me on twitter at 14across and uh, I think that's all we've got Uh, in two weeks we'll see you for Inferno by Dan Brown
2: in the meantime I'm just really going to focus on reading the scripture to save me from the zombies (laughs) (laughs) alright bye everyone Bye. bye bye
1: a love triangle between Wolverine and The Rock.